Hey, this is Jason Overcome Redmond. Thanks for tuning in to the Overcome and Conquer show. If you love this show, we want you to do us a huge favor. Go to iTunes, subscribe, leave that five-star review, leave a comment, and most importantly, share with your friends. Because sharing is caring. Everybody wants to be on top of the mountain. The problem nowadays is people want to get dropped off at the top of the hill and look down. It's that I overcome mindset that makes all the difference. See, the way we're taught is you're going to claw, you're going to scratch, you're going to bite, you're going to dig, you're going to do whatever it takes to get to the top of that mountain. That unequivocally is how I have managed to keep myself moving forward and finding success. Two seals, one mission. The Overcome and Conquer Show. And welcome back to the Overcome and Conquer show. Man, we have been on a run, Ray. We have had some amazing guests lately, and uh, today is no different. Yeah, no shit. Today is no different. Uh, we've got we've got a tough motherfucker on on board. I'm looking at him right now. I don't I don't want to give I don't give. The, I notice the, you're looking. You're giving him the shifty eye. I'm, I'm a little well, uncomfortable. You it's know? rare. I'm looking at Jack. Yeah. yeah, it's rare that we have a <laughs> guest that tough. comes on here. That literally, if he really wanted to, not that he would, but he would call you a pussy for what happened to you. But it is true. There are a whole, there aren't a whole lot of people who can claim they've been through more than I have. Yeah. And uh, he has. He is a friend, and uh, we we our paths actually crossed uh, in the combat zone. Well, indirectly. So we'll talk a little more about that later. But. As we allude to, he is another teammate, another SEAL. Three SEALs, one mission. Yeah, man. Nothing better than getting a bunch of team guys together in a small room. That's right. Yeah, tight quarters, tight butt. Oh, sorry. Where's the keg? Yeah. I know, really. (laughs) You know, but we we, we, we do have to address the elephant in the room. Even though his beard looks magnificent, he's got no, he's got no top hair, but it still works for him. You actually make that shit look good. Hey, hey he had top hair back in the day. Back I've in the seen, day, I've I know. seen pictures. Actually, he was that 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 picture of you with the sixty and the sunset in the background. Yeah, you you were a your sexy age, you know beast. What a, know what an M sixty is? Well, hey, I, um, yeah, yeah, I was a sixty gunner. So, God bless. Yeah, but back then you had the flowing locks. You had the seal hair. I did. I was the guy that was always told, hey. Go get a haircut and bring all your buddies with you. Yeah. And you're the guy that didn't, and then now God's punishing you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Started so, in the middle there. Uh, Scab. So funny. All right. Well, listen, we are going to dive right into the show because there's going to be a lot of what we want to talk about with our guest. Uh, so without further ado, what I'd like to do is introduce our guest. So our guest served. 21 years as United States Navy SEAL, retiring as a senior chief petty officer. He did a lot of amazing work, uh, deployments both pre-9-11 and post-9-11, working throughout uh, Iraq. They were cracking skulls, and I was there during that same time frame, and we were taking the fight to the enemy. And I'm not even going to get into what happened to him. On one fateful night uh, that started at the beginning of our deployment, it was actually the turnover op. He had a mission that forever changed his life and literally uh, set him on a whole new path and also set the standard for, uh, I don't even know how any other way to say this, for badass motherfucker. Yeah. So uh, we will discuss that in a little, bu- a little bit, but it ended his operational career he went on to take care of special operations wounded warriors, working as a special operation command wounded warrior advocate, taking care of our guys, and finally moved on from that and is now getting out and speaking and spreading the word about leadership and resiliency. Yeah. 
which is his word of the day. And I tell you what, he lives it up. He speaks on behalf of the Navy SEAL Foundation, many other nonprofit organizations. He is a member of Eagle Rise Speakers Bureau, and he is a friend and absolute amazing guy. He also has a new book that'll be coming out. Doesn't have a title yet, but it will be coming out uh, in the spring. In the spring. Bad motherfucker is what it should be called. Yeah, yeah, and and he also is on a personal push, I think, from a lot of us wounded guys to... uh, to be the best version of ourselves, especially after we've been all jacked up. So he's a health and wellness uh, expert and moving on to find the highest levels himself. It is my honor to introduce the legendary Senior Chief Douglas Mike Day. What's up, brother? God, you're making me blush. <laughs> hey, I do that. <laughs> Story of my life. So I make Ray blush all the time. It's Chris- great to be here. I humbly submit myself with... Uh, all my faults for a uh, case study. I'm definitely not a, <laughs> definitely not a person that uh, is, is going to wake up every day and try to provide advice. I love it. Hey, man, we all got flaws. I know I got mine. The great thing about flaws is we learn the most from them, and uh, I think that's what makes us better. Except for Ray, Ray's shaking his head. He has no flaws. I didn't say a word. Oh, shit, I'm being recorded. Okay, exactly. I'm lying. I'm that head nod, and everyone's gonna see that head nod on camera. <laughs> it's so recorded. good. Room full of team guys. You know, you're gonna, <laughs> you the stories are gonna talk. Hide. It could be edited. So, but um, hey, let's let's jump in. The word of the day is resiliency. I cannot think of anyone who knows that word better than Mike Day. Uh, I, 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 stand, I, I sit humbly next to you, that's for sure. So I had uh, to look this up three times because every time I pulled the fucking word up, there was a picture of him and there was no, <laughs> no definition. So um, without further ado, resiliency, the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, semicolon, toughness. So Mike, with, without further ado, what does resiliency mean to you? Oh, resiliency is to me uh, the ability to bounce back from you know a good kick in the nuts, and uh, you know it's a uh, it's a good thing to take those because you don't know when things are good if you don't have that. Jesus, um, yeah. Uh, we all have thresholds, you know. Some people can deal with a lot more, and you know, physically and psychologically, uh, which I think are actually interchangeable. So if you if you physically push yourself, I think that actually transfers over into you know, psychological resiliency. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's, no one's going to get out of this place without getting a couple kicks in the balls. So the question is, it, your story is amazing. We're going to talk about it, but ladies and gentlemen, like I said, and again, I don't like calling another man a motherfucker, but with this, you have to, <laughs> this motherfucker has been through, I, I don't know anybody else that's been through what he hasn't survived. I mean, you know, yeah, Jason a Baker's dozen. I get it. You've been shot a Baker's dozen time. Whatever, you big pussy. I had the shingles once. <laughs> yeah, I had the shingles. Yeah, me too. That you hurt. know, that fucking hurt. It did hurt. But um, it I know Jason. Worse than a gunshot wound. Yeah. Well, That's see, I don't wound. know, but uh, but thank you, thank you for making me sound somewhat not like a bitch. If it doesn't hit a bone, thank you. Um, but <laughs> you know, let's get into the story. I mean, Jake, do it. I, I mean, I, I, you have to get into this because. I'm the only guy in the room that pretty much. All right, I'm, I'm going to give you guys. Well, the, our interaction the is that, that it was it was a turnover op. We yeah, had some of your yeah. guys. I want to tell people this sentence though, because this is an amazing sentence, uh, or this amazing paragraph is part of your bio on the Eagle Rise Speakers website. It says, "On what would be his final combat mission as a Navy SEAL, Mike was shot 
ready for this? 27 times at close range and absorbed a grenade blast. Despite being severely wounded, Mike managed to neutralize four enemy combatants, secure two prisoners, rescue six women and children, and evacuate himself to an awaiting helicopter. Um, And in fine print, it says, cured cancer. uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) Part of the Red Sea. (laughs) But seriously, man, that is amazing. And and, uh, it it was. It was our turnover op. Uh, Mike team had come in. And I'll admit, I wasn't even in country yet. It was the very first op. So we had some of our guys on that mission. And Mike was out there leading his guys as he did. And they stepped into a shitstorm. So that was the worst gunfight we got into the whole deployment. I, I'm going to turn it over I felt to bad you. bad for you guys. <laughs> well, you guys, guys, te- you guys like, stirred the imagine. hornet's nest for us because we went back. Yeah. As a matter of fact, what's amazing what is where... You were wounded. Uh, I was only wo- I, I was only about two hundred yards from uh, the building that you were in. It's uh, amazing. That, I didn't that know same, that. Mm-hmm, that same place that we went back into. Uh, every single time we went in there, we got into a firefight over the rest of that uh, the rest of our deployment. So. Yeah, that wasn't a very good, very trafficable. <laughs> it definitely was not a place <laughs> that you went into and thought someday this is going to be a great vacation spot. <laughs> no, a matter of fact, the uh, first time we action this target we got ied'd and we 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 couldn't get it so we had to come back three nights later in helicopter yeah well that road that led into that area was like ied terrible so (laughs) so talk about that night because i guarantee there are people out there that i read that paragraph and they're like wait what 27 times we didn't say two plus seven 27 times And, and, and mike if if you don't mind me saying this uh Mike's story is amazing. And to, to go through that level of impact and, uh, and so not only, not only survive, but to do the things you did afterwards is absolutely incredible. Um, your story was act- actually represented in the movie, uh, act of valor. Yeah. So that scene is actually, uh, the individual that gets sh- shot multiple times. That scene was actually created based on what happened to you. So walk everybody through what well, happened actually, that night. Accidentally got invited to that. You know, I was working at the care coalition. I was at Walter Reed and, uh, those guys were there with Oakley and they were having a premiere of that movie and they invited me to it. Nice. And, uh, that was completely accidental. I think Dan Knossen was in the hospital at this point. And so I went to it and after the movie, they asked me what I thought about their depiction of my scene i was like well you should have talked to me i would have made it a lot better (laughs) (laughs) uh because it's it's definitely not accurate you know it's been depicted in a couple books and i guess i'm in mine it'll actually be accurate (laughs) amen to that i mean my citation's not even accurate so well and i actually think that it was you know most things in hollywood are hollywooded up to make it sexier I think this is the one case in point where they actually Hollywooded it down. Well, quite I honestly, mean, I actually question my my recollection of it because it's so crazy. Really? Well, let, let's get, let's into, get that. into it. Yeah, give up, give us your recollection of that night, and and really, I mean, Ray's right. I mean, you look in the dictionary under resiliency. I mean, uh, it, it is an amazing story. So jump in, brother. Uh, I guess I'm, I thank my father for being so resilient because the SEAL teams were pretty easy. I mean, we'll get into that. It's also in the book, maybe. Well, it is definitely in the book. I don't know. We'll get into it tonight. Uh, but for me, the SEAL teams were pretty easy. This was an event that uh, luckily I wasn't 
I mean, I, I, I consider the injuries you received way worse than what I got. And I took 16 to the body and 11 to the body armor. I had two bones that got hit. Everything else was soft tissue, which is, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, through and um, throughs are, I, I, I will admit, I met some guys that had through and throughs and I was a little jealous. So, and a yeah, through and through is a bullet that just passes Brett Morgani, through soft, yeah, he's soft tissue. Right through the leg, yeah. yeah. Yep. I have bullet holes that I have trouble finding because they look not much more and it's an AK round that looks like a cigarette burn. Jesus. And it's hard to find. Uh, so the, the op we were on, they, uh, this was an Al-Qaeda cell that was shooting down helicopters. They, they dumped, uh, four helicopters out of sky, killed everybody. Uh, so that's why we're going after these guys. Uh, initial, uh, attempt to go after them. We get IED'd on the way in. Um, and uh, a little irony there the the rear vehicle got hit, which is, is kind of weird for a rear vehicle to get hit because it had to be a pressure plate. Mm-hmm. Um, and Clark Schwedler, who was killed later on, three days later on the same, you know, same target set, uh, his vehicle got hit. He was in the turret. Uh, uh, so we weren't able to action the target that night. Came back and we were like, and we were just talking about it earlier. That place was just a mess. We're like, I'm not driving back in there. Yeah. I'm not driving back into that place. There's a hornet's I mean, nest. I mean, we literally, on that op, we spent probably... 45 minutes trying to figure another way out and it was just worse to go any other way than the way we came in so we just had to like drive really fast through where we just got ied'd yeah it was pretty pretty scary yeah <laughs> um a couple other funny things happened there but we don't talk about that <laughs> i had to I had to coax somebody forward a little bit um so we came back the uh you know three nights later did a helo insert uh a few kilometer patrol into the target um, you know, breach team goes up, they, uh, they breached the, uh, they breached the door, uh, and it's a, what we call a short room. There's no access to the rest of the house. And I'm the, uh, the guy that's holding everybody back in case we have to blow something up. You know, we call that the minimum safety, minimum safe distance guy. And, uh, when I heard short room, I was already on another point of entry. So I, I breached that door. I just kicked it open. Opened up to a small foyer, and um, I stacked on one of the do- two doors in there uh, that were pretty close together. You know, one from from our perspective, one on the left wall, and one on the on the far wall. Uh, set up so that if you open one door, you could see from one corner of the room all the way through both corners uh, of both rooms. Uh, so Clark was actually on the uh, the breach team, so it was kind of amazing that he made his way around everybody else to be the number one guy go in that room. But he, he saw me, he saw me stacked on the door to the left and he saw me waiting for somebody to pick up the other threat. And, uh, he was the one that did it. He was on the breach team, jumped around the train because the train didn't split in there. I mean, it was Iraqis. That's what we had trained them to do. Things happen different than what you expect. Most of the time, you just got to manage it. Yeah. Um, so he gets in there, they see what they're supposed to do, the train splits, we do a simultaneous room entry. And as soon as I enter the room, uh, there's four guys in there. There's two of them have AK-47s, one of them has an M4, uh, and one of them has a pistol. Uh, the M4 and the pistol are um, weapons that they recovered from a uh, previous ambush on an army unit. Uh, so that's why they had our weapon systems. They also had 
a helmet with night vision goggles. His, the dude's LBE with his name on it. Um, I mean, they had all this guy's gear. Uh, it was later returned to that unit after I after I departed, after I was medevaced. Um, so as soon as I entered that room, uh, I don't know who opened up, but uh, at least the automatic weapons did, the M4 um, and the two AKs. And I just started getting hit. You know, I entered that room um, off safe, uh, finger in the trigger, and they still beat me. <laughs> Damn. So I lost my rifle, uh, which was, I had to ask somebody four months after this event where my rifle was, and they told me it was hanging around my neck. Uh, and later, later in this event, I had actually got up and walked around the house with this rifle banging between my knees and didn't even realize it. So I lost my rifle and I transitioned to my pistol as I was falling forward. And I uh, put, I don't know, five or six rounds in the guy down the left wall and landed right next to him. I landed on my left side and we were up underneath the window. Um, Hit the ground. I continued to shoot around the room. There was a dude that had pulled a pin on a grenade. He was trying to run out of the room into the, uh, onto the train out in the hallway. I shot him in the head. He dropped to his knees and he was forward of me, uh, but he blew up and the grenade blast still, still knocked me out. But I, I don't know why it didn't knock the other two guys out, but it knocked me out. And when I woke, um, a whole bunch of stuff had happened behind me. Um, my number two guy and my number three guy were Iraqis, uh, scouts that we had trained. Number two guy got shot in the chest, knocked out of the room. The number three guy got uh, uh, killed in the doorway. He was just got dumped in the doorway and around from the room that I was in, uh, passed through both doorways and hit Clark Schweller in the back of the neck. Um, and he fell, um, into a seated position with his rucksack holding him up. Uh, I came and found him later. I, um, still unconscious at this point. Uh, guys tried to get in the room. They, they figured that there was two guys still, uh, with AK shooting uh, through both of the doorways uh, that it w- didn't make sense to go in there. They asked for status in the house. I was unconscious. Uh, luckily, there was three Iraqi scouts, our guys, not on comms, deeper in the house. Uh, they didn't hear it, so they got stuck in the back of the house. They couldn't come through those doorways again. And uh, I was left in the house. The whole the whole patrol uh, left the house. Uh, they were going to use an aircraft to blow up the blow up the target. Yeah, that was the plan. Mike, can I, I, dude, I I hate to interrupt you, but I guarantee there's a whole lot of people out there that don't understand the reason why those guys would have done that and been like, how the hell could they do that if they, if they, if they knew you were still alive? Oh, I mean, we, they, they didn't know I was still alive. They didn't have a full head count. And that's, uh, you know, another thing that we've become a lot more sophisticated at and we just don't drop bombs and shoot stuff unless we have a full head count. So that's why they weren't able to do it. The aircraft was completely prepped. They were trying to get a, a head count. Uh, they didn't know Clark was in the house. They didn't know I was in the house. We had uh, one scout that was dead. That's the only one I think they probably knew. And then the uh, the three scouts that had gotten into the back of the house that couldn't get out. Um, so, I mean, yeah, we, you know, we don't drop bombs unless you got a full head count. Uh, but, I mean, that was the plan. But they came up with that plan, and as they were as they were departing the target, I uh, I woke up. I still had the pistol in my hand. Uh, I woke up and saw two guys standing across the room with AK-47s inside 
10, 12 feet. And they were shooting over top of me through a window. Um, you know, luckily only one of our guys got hit from that part of the engagement, but I re-engaged both of those guys. Uh, I do have some kind of unexplainables. I got shot twice in the butt and I have two holes in my back that shatter my scapula that don't line up with holes in the body armor. So it appears that when I was unconscious from the grenade blast, someone came over, jammed the pistol in my body armor, cranked off a couple rounds, and then shot me in the ass. He shot a you in the ass just for shits <laughs> and giggles. Oh, um, oh, fuck. I don't mean to laugh. <laughs> uh, I mean, what, the funniest thing that happened to me last year is that bullet that I accidentally found through another procedure actually traveled over my hip, through all my organs, through my muscle tissue, and then wound up in my body, my beer gut. And I had some friends cut it out. So I saw that oh, video. Yeah, yeah, the let, yeah. This thing right here. Yeah, baby. I got shot in the butt with this. Thing. So he's, uh, for those of you, if you, you'll have to watch a video, but he's showing the bullet he's wearing. <laughs> the video will come neck. out sometime. It'll yeah. probably be a good YouTube one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so wait a minute. Hold on, time out. So you're just at a party? I mean, are, are the drinks are flowing? I mean, because I know you like, you know, I'm saying you no, said. No, I was at work. I had some medic okay okay because out. the way you yeah. made it sound is like you know three team guys are sitting at a fucking party have a few drinks and you're like hey bro cut this fucking with, with, a, with a plastic dinner yeah, knife yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean your heart is no, fucking it happen, dude I mean, you we were taking medics. it i was like dude i know this times? motherfucker's hard but holy shit how many times have i seen a medic show up on the weekend because someone needs stitches oh yeah oh, oh yeah, yeah fucking yeah. i i've had navy i've had seal corbin put stitches in my kids yeah. penicillin i've had it all <laughs> that's a whole other yeah uh, a you navy doctor you had want to go to the uh, er yeah just call your call yeah. your 18 delta six pack of beer john cummings <laughs> did that for me once he was our medic it's good to have friends that know stuff yeah wow all right so you so wake went up off on that tangent so yeah I'll no wake no up. it's all no, we love it we up. love it holy <laughs> shit shot. i just Dude, need to be redirected these no, assholes shot sure. you in the ass so you realize that in the, ass. They should, uh, the only place i didn't get shot was my head uh, to get some grenade frag up there, but so I wow. wake up and these two dudes with AKs are shooting over top of me from inside of 12 feet, 10 to 12 feet over top of me, uh, through the window. And I'm not going to lie. My first thought was maybe I could play possum and wait till they're done and get out of here. <laughs> and that lasted for, uh, a microsecond before I started shooting at them. And I, uh, I don't know when they realized I was shooting at them, but I ran that, I ran that magazine dry and, um, I did a magazine change and they were shooting at me at some point in there. I can't tell you where it started before or after magazine change, but I actually had a round hit the foot of the magazine. It blew the hand grips off of this pistol. I cleared the malfunction and killed those two dudes. I'm not going to say who manufactures that weapon because I'm I'm looking for product placement for them. I got it. Hey, yeah, yeah. I was going to tell say, you. I was getting ready to say something, but I, yeah. And I know you're listening out yeah. there. Yeah, you better be listening because that's a six figure fucking yeah, sponsorship right weapon, there. I don't know. They know who I am. Yeah, I've, uh, I've talked to them about it. Get off the pot. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So well, that and the body armor did some crazy stuff, man. That it wasn't supposed to. So 3M, yeah, you know, the space is available. Let's do it. Let's do it. I love it. <laughs> Little promo plug there. Come on, sponsors, get you off your ass and let's do this. We were talking about that at Shot Show, man. I was like, how the fuck can you not be? And I know who you're talking about. Sponsored by these people. And I'm trying. Like, 
dude, guys, it's it's coming. It's, it's coming. Yeah, it's your just... time is coming. When this book comes out, and pe- and again, they're going to hear it here in your story. I mean, it's fucking legit. I think we'll do so fi- finish finish it. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, it's not even quite done yet. So you you're, you you where was I again? You were you you're changing magazines. Oh, after, yeah, so, while yeah, you're I getting killed, shot I, up sorry. right before you you operate on yourself. <laughs> keep, going, <laughs> keep going. It's amazing. And, story. and cured cancer. <laughs> the fact that that pistol took a round to the foot of the magazine and just the, the hand grip shattered. I could feel the springs through my gloves. And in that in that weapon. Uh. So I got that done, got rid of those two guys, and I got up on my hands and knees, and I asked for status in the house. And one of the Iraqi scouts that got stuck in the in the back room came up, and was luckily one of the one of our first. He, hang, on, hang on, Mike. He you was one be- of the. He was one of the. He was one of the first dudes. Remember, I told you earlier that we got fifty guys when we got over there to make like our little quasi soft and and Ambar and Fallujah, and we got fifty guys to start off with, and we told them to do 10 push-ups and 40 of them quit so this guy that came in here he was like in his english was 10 times better than any of my arabic or farsi and but uh he came in and gave me a total huts report that they call something else now yeah well that, that's impressive because <laughs> i gotta tell you i worked a, with those slant, no. <laughs> i worked with those guys and most of them were if you horrible. had if you kept your thumb on them and they and they trusted you they did all right so, so. some were good but some were not Dude, he so, just pulled out a what's your slant too. God so, bless you. I love it. I love it, dude. Hey, well, that's another funny thing too. The irony of our I don't know, I don't want to say too much, but we changed things in the community because of what happened to me. And now I am teaching it. I am teaching what got me hurt, which is I mean, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Save, but who better to lives. teach it than Lessons you? I think that's learned. great. Yeah, yeah. less wow. Well. I mean, all our all our Hardest lessons are learned in blood. In blood, we change the way we're doing things off mine too, uh, and it just sucks, you know. Yeah. But so every always comes full circle. So twenty seven rounds. I mean, just kind of go over some of the injury because it's incredible right well, now. Let me get the back average to, I actually person remembered where I left. Uh, that dude came in, gave me the slant, the huts report. <laughs> for you old guys but you started to say you got <laughs> up and started moving around i want people to understand the extent I, of your injuries i did i got up uh he told me what i had you know he told me that you know that clark was dead that we had a dead iraqi scout he told me all the uh we had two detainees in the back i mean he told me all this and i i told him hey watch that front door don't let anybody come through that front door and i got up and i found clark uh and had to quiet down the women and children uh, cause they were laying, they were sitting like right next to him. They were in another room. If you read my citation, it says that they, they weren't in my, in my room. They'd all be dead. Yeah. They were in that room. Uh, so got them quiet. I got deeper in the house. I found two or two other scouts. They had two detainees. I checked the flex cuffs, brought one out to watch the women and children, tried to make comms, discovered that my radio was just destroyed. Uh, and I had to take Clark's radio off of him. I reconnected my stuff and called the guys back up. Uh, deconflicted the front door. They came back in. Uh, recleared the whole house. Uh, tell, tell everybody your, what your words were when you came across the radio, because I think that's... Uh, across the radio? Yeah, when you first called them. Oh, I... Uh, what I was told when I got there. I told them that uh, I, 
I gave them the slant. I said, don't come through the front door. The guy's going to kill you. Uh, yeah, I said, call me before you come through the front door um, because somebody will shoot you in the face. And then I heard and then said, I said, come uh, get me. They're I all said, dead. I said, <laughs> well, I remember saying, hurry up because I'm having trouble breathing. Out of all those injuries, the only the two when they came in and asked me what hurt, because I didn't really know what was wrong with me at this point. Yeah. I wasn't doing self-aid. My pelvis hurt really bad and I had a lot of trouble breathing. Um, and they tried to treat for a sucking chest wound. Um, could never get the reclusive dressing on, but luckily it wasn't a sucking chest wound. And, and just for people out there that don't understand what a sucking chest wound is, when a bullet goes through your lung, uh, it, your your lung actually is pressurized. When a bullet goes through it, it collapses and then every breath you take starts to put pressure, more and more pressure. What's that? You drown in your blood. Yeah. yeah. It just, it's, uh, so uh, that's what a sucking chest wound is, and it'll kill you uh, We got two lungs. So. I know dudes with, I had a Bud's instructor that only had one lung, and he used to run us in the dirt. You only need one. Yeah, yeah you only beast. need yeah. one lung. He's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Suck it up, Mary. Yeah, so, they, so the guys get back in, and then uh, I hear... Um, hey, two mics to medevac. And, uh, somebody says, pick Mike up. And I was like, no, you ain't touching me. I don't, they didn't realize I'd been up walking around. It wasn't because I was trying to play macho. It was because they had already been rolling me around and actually hurting me more. That's I, actually uh, why I got up too. Yeah. Cause it hurt when, uh, was like, when my team me. leader started I'll dragging you, me. I'll let you know if I need, <laughs> I need you to pick me <laughs> You're up. You're making it worse. I just got <laughs> shot 27 times. I didn't know that. Um, but, you know, I walked out there with who I think is probably the best seal. We can't say his name. He's still active duty that I've ever met. And I told him, if I need your help, I'll throw my hand over your shoulder. And it was a freshly plowed field. And I uh, had to throw my hand over his shoulder to help me. And it was my thumb that had a, was hanging on by a thread. He reached up and almost snaked my thumb off. Uh, so we get to the helicopter, fly out, you know, uh, Chris J., he, he was your he was one yeah. of your boys. Yeah, yeah. He he, he took yeah. a round too. Yeah, he got shot, uh, in the arm, through the window. Through the window. Yeah, yeah. yep. And I knew he was a medic, and I thought he was flying with me because he was a medic. I didn't even know he had been shot, and he had a tourniquet on his arm. Uh, because I was out of it. I was in shock. Um, I can't believe I was cognizant enough to get up and walk around that house and do what I was supposed to do in the house, but uh, um. That medical doctor on that on that bird cut all my clothes off, and when we landed, I was butt naked except for, for my boots. And I watched those two guys try to open the that Israeli litter, and they couldn't do it because Chris Chris had a, a tourniquet on. His arm was all jacked up, and golf cart pulled up, and I jumped off the helicopter naked, and ran over to the uh, to the golf cart. And I don't mean to laugh. Dude, I'm, sorry. I, I, I'm just I'm fucking just picturing awesome. this because. Dude, you had him in bloody from head to toe. No, uh, I, I remember not thinking, thinking I, it wasn't that much blood. Yeah. And I don't know if it was, well, you know, Bob, he gets into all this scientific stuff. It's like, he's like, maybe, maybe you didn't bleed that much because it was so close and it just carterized everything. I don't know. Nah. <laughs> 
that a fart? <laughs> that was, yeah, absolutely. Team <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, you put when it I in get, one room and this one starts out. When I get moves, excited, yeah. I fart. <laughs> that was me. Usually I'm pissing in a bottle, but <laughs> that's too disrespectful <laughs> when you're talking, but I fart. <laughs> So when your hands are to the table, you're pissing in the bottle. Usually, we, we have another episode where you hear it in the background. This is awesome. Oh, the story's so, amazing. I couldn't uh, hold it anymore. I'm sorry. Where was uh, I again? Uh, they, they were bringing you in. Oh yeah, they threw me. In. So they had a golf cart brings me over. They threw me on a gurney, uh, and there was two times when I realized I was kind of kind of jacked up. Uh, the first time was when the guys came back in, and I saw their eyes. You know how, how people look at you like they gave you that, that look oh, yeah. like you're really fucked up. Yeah, I saw that in their eyes. I was like, hey, thanks a lot, guys. And then when I was on that gurney uh, and we came from, you know, the dark airfield uh, into the light of the uh, of the uh, hospital and there was like seven or eight people there. They just started rolling me around and that literally started calling out all the uh, all the gunshot wounds. And uh uh, so from the ground up, I had one on my left thigh that went clean through my left thigh. Uh, that was a through and through. I had one that went through my scrotum, separated my vest deference. That was a through and through. He laughs. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you guys. <laughs> I mean, you guys need to understand. I mean, I'm I'm just dumbfounded. That's the one. So the bullet went directly through his scrotum, passed in between his testicles. And, yeah. and, and you were okay. I mean, that's amazing. Although we did, will, let's did let's, not have underwear on. Let, yeah. Side. And let's get into, so when you got into, when you finally made it to Bethesda, you know, because of the injury and, the, and the, and the, when a, when a bullet goes through supersonic, it creates a, a, um, it causes as much trouble as I did. That, no, oh, I don't yeah. know about that, man. You were a legend when I got there. They were talking. They were still talking about you when I arrived. There were nurses and everybody would come up to me and be like, "Do you know Mike Day?" Don't be a pain in the ass. So, like he was, but uh, sure. so it made his balls swell up to the size of like cantaloupe. Breath. It was it was a pretty good size, breathtaking. And I, and I showed them to everybody. Everyone, like the, the nurses would come and be like. Oh my God, Mike Day showed his balls to the Secretary of the Navy, showed it to the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Awesome. <laughs> I don't remember those ones. So, but you know, I, I met Gary Sinise there, and I remember him walking in. And a lot of people say it; they ask you, like, oh, "Where'd you get shot?" And I think they're asking, like, a geographical location. <laughs> and you tell me, like, oh, right here. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh well Mike, mike's always had an amazing you're, you're funny man you got that dry sense of humor and uh you know yeah, i grow on you like a fungus yeah but <laughs> but you know you, you people love you or hate you and i love you man uh you and i we did a uh years later we did a climb of mount rainier uh several wounded warriors another wounded seal mike and i and a uh a wounded corpsman and we summited Mount Rainier together and we were doing an interview when we were training <laughs> and, uh, and Mike does his interview first and, um, and then I'm getting ready to do mine and they're like rolling the camera at this time. And it was and, just a flyby for me. Yeah. And Mike's like walking behind the reporters, the reporter asked, so, um, how did you get on this climb? 
And Mike, without missing a beat, like goes, because he got shot in the fucking face. <laughs> and uh, the reporter like freezes. That's exactly what you said, man. <laughs> don't, don't yeah, I, it that. is on video. Uh, oh, my oh, God. But that reporter it's, it's like froze. He did not know what to say. <laughs> I mean, oh, my God. Well, I see, laughed so hard. That's always been like when I was at the Care Coalition, and I'm sure you had to deal with it, too. One of the more bothersome things of guys that have like disfiguring uh injuries is people asking them you know what happened <laughs> and i remember this uh this uh one marsoc dude that i used to hang out with he was i'm tired of people asking me about my leg uh he was he was gnarled up pretty bad got blown up pretty good and i was like well just tell him something really heinous that makes him not want to talk to you <laughs> and they uh he would tell him stuff like, ah, oh, I kicked this dog so hard that it broke my leg and I had to have it. <laughs> but, you know, it fixed him for him. But I, I I feel it. Dude. I'd run with the giant balls things for as long as I could. Personally, I'd be like, I well, mean. I was I'd told be- by my better half that uh, the swan was going down. I needed to stop showing everybody. They weren't as impressive anymore. <laughs> yeah, so she got me to quit. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly you can get people stop asking questions if you tell them something super awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah. Like after I got They're karma. They're awkward. They already say dumb shit. Uh, yeah, people would ask me, good. why do you have a service dog? And I got tired of telling them. So finally I started saying, yeah, he helps me go to the bathroom. I had my uh, my urinary tract and my, my penis was shot off. So he squeezes my prostate to help me go to the bathroom with he his jaws. He sticks his nose in my butt and people makes me pee. Would, <laughs> people would That's be like, oh one. my God. They would That's look so at me and then they would look away. I it was, it. I could see them like thinking about it and then they'd like look down. <laughs> it was so good. So he's a prostate dog. Yeah. Well, listen, you every uh, once in a while, I want to mess with the telemarketers too. That's fun. (laughs) Well, listen, you really, you went on, you you had like me several years of surgeries uh, to kind of finish up and you went on to help other wounded warriors. Well, (laughs) I mean, you, you, you had some, you, you had some hard recovery, both from the physical and the invisible wounds of war. So, I mean, what you went through was amazing. And now, um, you are starting to get out there more and more uh, to tell this incredible story and to be able to share. I mean, you've got 21 years as a SEAL senior enlisted leader, combat leader, and you're out there sharing this message about resiliency. You know what? Uh, I mean, it was kind of a lesson I learned too. I was, uh, I was doing a fundraiser and I was sitting in the parking lot of, uh, what was that? 99, 99 FM. It was a Tommy and Rumble, not Rumble anymore. And I heard some dude talking about PTSD on the radio and, uh, people were calling in and it was, people were calling in and saying, Hey, you're, you're kind of like, make it all right for me to talk about it. You know, when I hear somebody else. So it, uh, it, it is good to hear that somebody has gone through an experience that, uh, um, that they're not ashamed about that they have to talk, that they're okay to talk about. And quite honestly, I think, uh, you know, one of the best gifts I got from being shot up so much other than. Uh, well, not, you know, other than, the, you know, the decent benefits, you know, get some free college and stuff. But uh, <laughs> I just lost that trade. Wow. <laughs> Shot you know, 27 financially times. Was, I got some free was, shit. Yeah, it was pretty good. I don't have to prove myself to anybody anymore. Oh, shit. Yeah. I don't have to play that uh, uh, that size everybody up and prove that I'm more masculine than anybody else. Well, and I uh, think it's. And I, I, and I, I have the ability to show vulnerabilities, which I'm going to in, in my book. And I think it's, you know, it's pretty important. 
So let's That's, talk about that because I think you're going to help a lot of people. I mean, your your word is resiliency, and uh, everybody is hungry to be more resilient. And holy hell, we need more resiliency. Yeah, we do. Um, you know, my new book is is about that. Also, I mean, we've got to build this resilient mindset, and you have the ability to do it on so many different levels, from the incredible uh, physical wounds you overcame, mm-hmm. the mental. Um, the invisible wounds. And for you as a very high level uh, seal to be able to get out there and tell other people, you know, Hey, it's okay. You can overcome this. So what is that message of your book? What led you to write the book and what, what were, you know, you talk about, you wanted to set the record straight because some people didn't have it right. Well, nobody, nobody actually has it right. Um, You're the only one that actually asked me. If yeah, they, if no, they could, I wrote you and said, hey, man, I want to <laughs> tell this story if you're okay with it. And I was a terrible mess at that point. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, resiliency, I mean, we, we train to it. We, we only can be as resilient as, as we allow ourselves to be. Um, and we can only be what we tell ourselves to be. And I don't want to put it in that, in, in that sense. I, like I said earlier, I humbly present myself with all my faults as an example so that you can, you can take out of it what you want. Um, I definitely not, cannot be the person that wakes up every day on a, um, on a podcast or something like that to give advice. Uh, I don't, I don't think I'm of that, uh, caliber of a person. So just the, just the example of my mistakes and of, of what I've, what I've experienced or is is just what I want to show. So, you are what you train yourself to be. I was what I trained myself to be. My father was a very hard person. SEAL teams were very, very easy for me. This event where I got all shot up was more harmful to the people around me than it was to me. It did not bother me. I literally did not have PTSD from this. I've had PTSD um, from an event. That I, yeah, maybe later I'll talk about it. I'm just not ready to talk about that yet. Um uh, but I did not have clinical PTSD. Um, you know, I got out of the SEAL teams and I was a wounded warrior advocate for seven years. I believe I was a better social worker and wounded warrior advocate than I was a, a SEAL. And I was a naysayer on a lot of the uh, health care that I saw people going through. Um, and there was a lot of a lot of stuff that I, that I saw come out early on that I was like, hey, it looks like a placebo to me. But dump all the sugar pills you can down that person's throat. Cause if it works, it works. It doesn't matter what it is. And, uh, and then I had my, you know, my own medical problems and I've seen, I mean, I, I probably dealt with probably 350 to 400 people when I was at the care coalition for that seven years, everything from the more, the more heinous combat injuries to you no know, ALS and cancer. And it's, uh, it was definitely probably one of the more profound, well, it's definitely the more, more profound period of my life, that seven years, uh, than any other part of my life. Uh, because of what I got to accidentally experience, what I got to accidentally discover. And, uh, you know, for me, uh, I think from, from the layman's point of view, all health is going to be, uh, generated from the gut. And I will be having a, uh, a benevolent organization uh, where I will promote this and, and try to help teach. You know, this is kind of coming out right now with uh, a lot of doctors, uh, you know, looking at gut health, 
and how it affects brain health. I mean, to me, it's just so much common sense that I almost feel like we're just lulled out of, uh, of believing what we were doing to ourselves. You know, we just propagandized into believing that, you know, everything you're doing is not that bad. Uh, but, but it causes all kinds of problems. And, and I saw a lot of psychological issues, uh, with people that I, uh, ran through med boards and I believe that it was probably caused and they got a diagnosis that's going to stick with them forever. They're supposed to take the medications forever. And all I'm saying on this is, Hey, give me six to eight months. I'll fix your stomach. And, um, maybe we can get rid of the trigger that caused that, um, predisposition, uh, you know, of a genetic malfunction to happen. Uh, it's not going to hurt anything. All you want to do is put some probiotics in you and make you eat the right stuff. Um, you know, I actually went in pocket my, myself and it's a shame. This is stuff. This should be healthcare. It's everything in healthcare right now is you go there when you're sick and the doctor tells you if you're sick or not, and you take this medication and then you get, take a medication that has a symptom, tell the doctor, you got the symptom. You take the next medication for the symptom it's just, you know, why don't you start from scratch, get everything cleaned up, get the body working with all the, I mean, all we are is batteries. We can't function without the proper chemicals, minerals, vitamins. Um, there's a way to get the optimum human performance. And that doesn't mean that you're going to be an Olympic athlete. It just means optimum human performance for your, for your set. Um, but if your set is to sit around and tell your and tell yourself that uh, that you're not good enough, and all you do is watch TV, and you know you eat bad food. I mean, we know the bad stuff we do for ourselves. Why am I chewing? Um, and you gotta have that have some personal responsibility. I mean, you don't get to a bad state. I didn't get to a bad state overnight. It took a period of time. Uh, my worst state in my life to where. I was pretty desperate and yeah, we'll call it hopeless. Uh, was about a two year process, um, till I was able to turn it around and it was through gut health. Um, you know, I, I've been shot in the stomach out of colostomy bag. Uh, I had no good flora in my stomach. It was that simple. Uh, my treatment was to take probiotics and have a diet. And over a period of probably four to six months, it was a complete turnaround. I, I had to quit that job at the care coalition because it was just so overwhelming to wake up and, and, and work with so many people having their worst days of their lives. It was, uh, well, like the first four years, it was pretty good for me, probably pretty healing, uh, without me even recognizing it, uh, you know, stomping out Mount Rainier. I mean, I was given my excuse in that job to take people to go do stuff that I wanted to do. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, man, I was taking awesome. dudes on like 500 mile bike rides, took all these dudes from team two. There was like eight of them that purple hearts, never been on bikes. And we went on a 500 mile bike ride with a ride to recovery. We worked with those guys. Somehow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different name now. Bob, Bob Newman. Was he one of the, uh, uh Bob Newman, uh, is, uh, he works a lot with actually USO owns that little bike club now. Yeah. He was doing some but, stuff with them, but yeah, now Bob's running it. So a ride to recovery is now, that's eh, another organization. They still do those challenges like five to seven challenges a year, like 500 mile bike rides. They're but you, awesome. you've, you know, so what's amazing though, man, is this journey you've been on, uh, from, from a seal 
uh, and even from a hard childhood to a seal. And we didn't even really get into that. Uh, you know, I would love to sit here and interview more, but, uh, you know, we could be here for hours, but this journey to the, these man, egregious injuries, uh, and just this, you know, night, and then that path of recovery, both physically and mentally to now where you are understanding so many things about the human condition from mental health, from all the wounded warriors that you worked with and saw from your yeah. own journey to nutrition. You know, you're really big now on that. And especially in this day and age, so many people need to be more educated. I mean, it's a sad state of affairs. I know I see it that it, we have made it easy and normal just to eat as unhealthy as possible because it's for whatever reason, well, it's, it's so much cheaper to eat crap it is. than it is to eat healthy food. And it's a travesty, you know, the inner city kids. And I mean, it's not getting the nutrition at the earliest ages of development that are the most important in your, but I mean, healthcare should not be reactive. Uh, uh, absolutely. I mean, there's uh, looking at, uh, uh, in soft trying to do these, do these tests where they look at your urine, your fecal matter. Uh, and your uh, and your blood to actually diagnose you and to individually prescribe a certain diet in a way to take care of it you know my my daughter was having issues that really looked like um a thyroid issue and it was it was a parasite h pylori which is very common and i wonder how many people in this country have been uh, symptomatic of a thyroid issue get treated for a thyroid issue and all they had to do was stop eating sugar for 30 days. Yeah. That's it. That's all you had to do. So, well, listen, brother, I mean, yeah, we, we could be on here forever. You were out there now, you were speaking, yeah. you are telling your amazing story or you teaching leadership and teamwork and resiliency. Uh, and your new book is going to come out in the spring. So people can really dig deep into that to learn more. Um, so, they can find you at eaglerisespeakers.com. You were represented by Eagle Rise Speakers, both. Uh, so, yeah, man, I, I'm like speechless. You know, I mean, you and I have, uh, you know, our journeys were, were pretty close together. You know, mad respect A couple months behind. Yeah, watched, <laughs> watched you go through, um, you know, the, 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 the hard times. And I'm glad to see you're on the other side, bro, and uh, giving back to others. It's uh, for me, it's always constant improvement. There's always room for improvement, right? Always. Kill, always. kill more of this ego and I can prove more. Yeah. I don't have much, guys. I'm just listening. It's rare you get me without talking. I got nothing. Yeah, you're, you're, you're leaking you, no gases. Between the, two of you, you've been, between the two of you, you've been shot like 50 fucking times. And I'm sitting here bitching about having what? The, the shingles. So I got nothing. I mean, I'm being serious. I, I did have respect. shingles and it was actually more painful than the gunshot wounds. So you hear that? To the body. I've taken more pain than yeah. you, Redmond. <laughs> the ones of the body armor? Yeah, that, those, those were actually worse. I mean, two bones got hit. My left thumb and my right right scapula got shattered. So, I love the fact that you're just here and you're you're pushing. You know, listen, guys, you need to you need to again. This is no plug for me. You need to hire this guy. You need to come listen to his story because I'm telling you, you're sitting in the same room as him. It is humbling. Yeah. Um. I mean, Lily, I've been. Uh, I'm a beta here today. Producer Ryan's nodding his head like, "Oh no, I, I'm." 
Speechless. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it is a speechless story. And I tell you what, you, if you're looking for resiliency, man, we all find it by finding those individuals. I mean, I'm blessed to have a, an amazing story. All of us go through hard times, but you, you know, got to practice it. right? Mike, your, your you story practice is it just like anything else is uh, incredible. So so listen, look him up. Eagle Mike Day. Find him. His book's going to be coming out in the spring. You need to go buy it. You need to pre-order it. We need to make it a bestseller. And uh, there is a specific weapons company. You know who you are. You know who you are. This, stop being. Yeah, uh, stop being. Uh, I'll see him this week. Yeah. So hopefully it's someone there I can talk to. We order you. I order you. Ray Cash Care orders you. <laughs> orders you. Mike, I, I'm going to give you the uh, the final word. I'm going to let you wrap it up on what resiliency means to you. You've been through an incredible journey, man. And uh, I'm sure your view of resiliency is much different now than it was. Uh, so closing the show, how would you tell others out there to be more resilient? I think you have to have, uh, you know, personal responsibility and being able to be objective about yourself and, uh, and realize that if uh, I had to, that if I, if I had to be more resilient, that I actually had to put effort into it. And luckily through my, I'd say my fortunate, unfortunate series of events in my life, I uh, was actually given uh, a lot of uh, chances and uh, trials uh, that I probably wouldn't have picked. You, you wouldn't to have picked through. getting shot twenty <laughs> times. <laughs> but you know, I've uh, you know, can't believe of, nobody volunteers for that. Kind of, you know, my mantra is, you know, everything always works out for me. Just not the way I expect it to. And that, uh, that takes a lot of patience. You know, there's, there's been times where, I mean, come on, <laughs> you know, let's get, let's get through this part. Uh, because you can't expect to get through life without having some kind of, some kind of hard times. And you know, hopefully it's not going to be that bad, but, uh, I can't tell you how many times I've seen somebody go through something and people from the outside say, I can't, I can't believe that you're going through this. I, I don't think I could do it myself. Well, that person that's doing it <laughs> probably said the same damn thing. And, uh, I mean, you got to do what you got to do and, uh, you're only going to do what you tell yourself to do. And, you know, I've, I've even quit, you know, quitting's not forever. I've, I've quit for a period of time or gotten lazy, however you want to describe it, but, you know, get your five minutes of bitching done and yeah, do what you're going to do. Get back on it. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> Or not? Nah, we got we got to drive forward, man. You're yep. driving forward now. I mean, yeah, we all have those moments where we, uh, you're mentally weak, but it's never too late to get back on it, and that's what resiliency is about. So, all right, guys, man, this is an amazing show. Uh, you once again, you want to find Mike Day, EagleRiseSpeakers.com. Uh, do you are you on social media now? I you're am on but Instagram, but you don't do anything. I've written you like twenty times. I don't have you, dude. Yeah, I don't, don't have anything professional or anything going on right now. Okay. Well, EagleRiseSpeakers.com is a way to find Mike, and uh, he's going to be out there. Uh, an amazing guy. So, brother, thank you. Thank you, uh, fellas, thank for coming you. on. So, all right, guys, this is the Overcome and Conquer show. I am Jason Overcome Redmond. And I am Ray Cash Care. And we are out. Boom. Thanks for listening to the Overcome and Conquer show. Tune in next time, and please remember to subscribe on iTunes. Please visit OvercomeAndConquer.com. 
Hey, this is Ray Cash Care. Thanks for listening to the Overcome and Conquer show. If you love the show, we want you to do us a huge favor. Go to iTunes, subscribe, leave a five-star message, leave a comment, and share with your friends. <gasps> Boom!